The Athletic. Welcome to the Totally Scottish Football Show in association with Paddy Power. Coming up, three points separate the bottom three. Davidson can do no wrong. That's Callum Davidson, not Joe Davidson. If you'd watch Line of Duty, she's really bad. And a demolition derby. I'm Andrew Slavin, alongside me. We've got Motherwell Senior Producer Laura Brannan. Hello, Laura. Hello. And also, Tifo's JJ Bull. Hello, JJ. Hello, I've not watched Line of Duty, but assuming it's like Warzone, did that Joe Davidson get to the final circle? Is that what you're talking about? K- kind of. Uh, I mean, Line of Duty, this cult drama thing that a lot of people watched at the mm. weekend. Uh, the Andrew, Andrew hitting out with the spoilers one day after the finale. I didn't hit any spoiler. We all know Joe <laughs> Davidson um, is a bad egg. Uh, but like I said, Callum Davidson is a good egg. Mm. And how did he finish in the Battle Royale? <laughs> he's still in it he's still in it a couple more rings to go rings? because it's the cup yeah the cup yeah that's a battery I get it I like it this analogy works slightly let's move on let's move on JJ you're at the TIFO now congratulations yes thank you that's correct if there's another podcast you'd like to listen to uh, I'll be on it <laughs> um, it's not about Scottish football it's about other football but it's part of the athletic family which obviously we are also part of Good my stuff, first man. day properly is on Tuesday and it's Lovely stuff, yeah. Tifo, it's great. The YouTube videos are amazing. Yeah, the stuff is really, really good. I wonder if we were supposed to be doing a podcast about football, uh, because football is apparently dead, isn't it, Laura? <laughs> well, it really did. Yeah, it wasn't you who murdered it. Who murdered it? The SPFL murdered it. Oh, here we go. Oh, it was this news during the week of the Turrets Caramel Wafer Cup. Mm. As if it wasn't a joke enough as it was with a title like that. They went and, a, <laughs> went and awarded Inverness and Wraith Rovers joint winners of the 1920 Tunnock's Caramel Wafer Cup. I'm sorry, that's just ridiculous. 1920? <laughs> what year are you in? <laughs> it's, it may as well be in 1919, 1920. It's just, it's a joke. How can you award two teams equally with a trophy? Well, I mean, it's, the reason is because the squads have changed so dramatically, isn't it? And um, you even had Scott Gardner, the Inverness chief executive, in favour of not playing this game because oh, he was saying the same thing. Five players they had left from the semi-final winning squad. Like um, I get it, but then like we've been joking about like Celtic had lost players when they went into the cup final, and Craig Gordon was on the other side of the opposition, and yeah. like teams change, right? And I get that, but. If you've waited this long to play it, just just play it. Whether it's in five years' time or 25 years' time, just play it. Or don't play it. Just scrap the whole competition. I mean, <laughs> really, they should just have played it last last season, like the start of this season when football came back Scra- with no scrapping fans. It, <laughs> scrapping it would have been way worse, though, when you think a club and players do everything that they can to, to do like get get clubs progressing in competitions and whatnot, and I believe the players that were involved in the competition will be receiving will all be receiving winners' medals. Yeah, but are they going to have half a trophy in their trophy cabinet? No, of course they won't. Laura. <laughs> Funnily enough, I mean, they should. As we, re- as we record this podcast, uh, we do it on a Monday. Like in England, the the FA Vaz and Trophy Finals of twenty nineteen and twenty twenty, not nineteen twenty, Laura. Uh, <laughs> are being played right now. It can be played, like you say, Laura, and it's just a bit weird that it's not being played. But there you go. 
this is for me here. I have to, before we get into the weekend's action, uh, a special shout out to Stephen Doby, who has left Queen of the South. This is his final season at the club. He spent seven years at Palmerston over two spells. The guy is an absolute legend. He is the king of Queens, and he played his last game on Friday against Dundee, uh, which they lost, sadly. But even though fans weren't in the ground to, to give him a send-off, there was like some good scenes um, that I saw of fans. It sounds so sad, like he's dead. Like it's... Well, no, it's just the end of an era, isn't it? It's just one of these, you yeah. know, he's, he's such a legend at the club. He's got a statue outside and everything. He's always going to be yeah. uh, welcomed back. It's just one of those things, you know, when something ends, it's just a bit sad. I mean, it depends who you sure. score, really. Yeah, I like how the uh, the video of him doesn't. It's not like he's important enough to blur out his car's uh, license plate number. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> like that. <laughs> just really that. I'm gonna find him. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about Scotland because hey, we're in a major competition pretty soon. Um, Billy Gilmore made his first start under Thomas Tuchel at Chelsea. He was very good, by the way. He was really good. UEFA have kind of upped these squad sizes, um, so it's 26 instead of 23. I think Billy Gilmore should definitely go um, amongst a few others. I also think Turnbull should go. What's your guys' thoughts? Laura, you must. You'll definitely think that Turnbull should go. Yeah, I think I think it would be very odd if um, you weren't to call up who is probably the only kind of candidate for Celtics Player of the Year this season. Mm. Um, I think it would be really strange not to include Turnbull after the year he's had. Um I, I've, I'll be honest, I've not actually watched much of Billy Gilmore. I don't see a lot of English football in general. Um, so I, I haven't seen him play. And obviously with him not being in the Scotland squads, I've not really got much to judge him on. Um, I've heard very good things about him though. Um, and if he's going to be as exciting as everyone makes out, wonderful. Um, I think he's of a kind of similar ilk to what we're talking about with Nathan Patterson. He has definitely got a future with Scotland. And by all means, let's not hang around if there's space mm. for him. He may not play the games, but if he is good enough, then he is old enough. Um, in that case, let him go along, let him experience it, and you never know. There could be some sort of emergency where he has to get flung in, and that's how heroes are made. Uh, JJ, with the exposure to this sort of competition, it's not going to phase him that much because I would expect him to be training every day with world-class players at Chelsea. It's, it would kind of be normal for him, wouldn't it? Um, I mean, I don't know what the pressure is like playing an international tournament compared to training with mm. like people you know day in day out. But what I would say about Gilmore particularly is that he's a very specific kind of player that we don't really have. Ryan Jack's the closest in style, I would say, to him. But Gilmore will be, will be better than Ryan Jack. Like I don't have any doubt about it. Mm. He's so young. He makes the right decision every single time. His positional awareness, uh, tactical awareness, like quality of pass and touch. He is right up there. He can play for Chelsea instead of someone like Jorginho, you know, like international footballer mm-hmm. who's played at the absolute highest level. Gilmore can do that. So maybe you want to bring him in, same as like Patterson, Laura's seen about that. And Turnbull, who we worked out was on the weekend, has a higher chance creation per game this season than Lionel <laughs> Messi. It's slightly different <laughs> leagues, but it's irrelevant. However, there was a thing about this, uh, the, the squad extension to 26 rather than 23 players. So... One of the difficult parts of being a manager is, you know, squad management. And so you want to keep the... Generally, they want to keep the, the squad smaller because it means that uh, it's you're closer-knitted, almost. When you start expanding it, then you start to have people who are just not going to get involved in, in the team and they might start not misbehaving, but then they're just not there and it might 
detract from team morale, something like that. So then you think mm. who you want to bring along is someone who's happy to be on the bench, so maybe a youngster, but also maybe someone who's got experience who's just good for the dressing room, that kind of thing. Like the example, like for England example, like Trent Alexander-Arnold, one of the best right backs you'd think in Europe, maybe, but he's not going to play first. So if he's there, is it a distraction? So when you bring mm. someone like Turnbull along, is it a distraction? Is he going to be going like, why am I not starting? Because I've had a better season than Christie, but Christie's starting, so why am I not here? Is it better to not have them in just now and keep the close-knitted... Because a lot, you know, a lot of the thing that Steve Clark has done is put a group of players together who feel like a bit of a, bit of a nice close team. It's a group. But if yeah. you expand it, it, it might have a little uh, change in it. It may make no difference whatsoever, but I'm sure there are nuances and and slight psychological benefits and deficits to having this expanded bit. So interesting to see what the manager does. I think he's a very good manager. So. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, later on in the podcast, we're going to talk a little bit about Partick Thistle, who had a good weekend. They're back. In the championship, at least. But first, let's talk about the final game between Celtic and Rangers of the season. This is the Totally Scottish Football Show, sponsored by Paddy Power. Maybe he fancies that Holtham goal after all. It is Defoe! And isn't that just typical of Jermaine Defoe? A goal in this derby! And the final humiliation for Celtic! Rangers' unbeaten league season is still on as they put Celtic firmly in their place with a 4-1 win at Ibrox on Sunday. It's one of those games that gets billed as like a you know top-end game in Scotland. It's going to be an absolute barnstormer. And it kind of was for the first half, at least. Um, but Callum McGregor getting shown a second yellow card uh, and then Kimar Roof with an absolute gorgeous finish, to be fair, uh, just started everything off. And second half kind of declined for me. What did you think, JJ? Um, I thought Rangers were much better uh, throughout. I mean, the, the sending off killed the game, obviously, but I just thought Rangers were much better. For the first, I don't know how long of the, the, the first half, but I thought it was a bit of a stramash and no team had any control whatsoever. Actually, mm. that might have been the whole of the first half. It was really fast, kind of, it was entertaining. It couldn't really work out what either team was trying to do, especially. It seemed like Rangers were playing this, um, like maybe a diamond midfield, I think. I think it changed so much. There was so much rotation of positions and it's so fluid. We had Kamara and Arabo in midfield kind of holding it. Davis was superb throughout. Mm. It was like a six in between them. Fullbacks were getting high. Tavernier was good in the right as well. Uh, and then the strikers were defending as a flat three. And then Celtic just didn't have anything to them. I don't know whether they were really much flatter than I thought they'd be. I think Celtic the started the first half uh, encouraging. Um, but you it just. Yeah, I do. I think there was, like you said, I thought it was too was, wild it was though. Really like, too fast on fast forward. Yeah. Gerard came out after the game uh, and said that his game plan certainly worked. Uh, he said that Celtic have weaknesses and that he wanted to play. Um, like you said, he actually he said he deployed Roof and uh, Morelos, two front players, to just sit on on top of uh, Celtic's defensive line to to create chaos, basically. And it certainly happened. I mean, Roof's finish for the first goal was absolutely sublime, Laura. Um, amongst well, the other three, which were all good goals, to be fair. I'm going to be a bit controversial and say I, I wasn't that blown away by his goal. I think Do you it think was, he meant it? I, I think he meant it. I think it takes a lot of skill to do what he did, but I don't think it's very aesthetically pleasing on the eye. So oh. when I... Uh, just, I, no, I, I, I'm, I'm not having JJ's it. see JJ's face there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not having it. This is the guy who scored from inside his own half earlier in the season, and now we're, we're raving about him turning it in with his chest I, I'm sorry I'm not as blown away as everyone else in this one interesting that's just so clever uh, it's very clever yeah, no, it's, it's, like, it's very clever and very talented it's just it's not 
You're it's very not very pretty to watch. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I think that's that's hard to do what he's done. It's really clever. I completely get that. No, I, I completely yeah. get that. There's so much skill involved. And it I, is, just want, I just wonder, because I, I, I think it looks so that. cool. It's so, it's so odd to me that you find it not... Uh, but it's just visually watching it. and Visually watching it, when people talk about outstanding goals, I expect to like see the burst, the, the net bursting um, and maybe long range or, or a bit of, <laughs> I don't know, a bit of like one-twos uh, and nutmegs and stuff. I just... I get that there's so much skill that goes into it um, and I, very few people could probably pull it off themselves, but it's just not, not, it's not me, promo me material. It. Yeah, that's it's not, exactly It's not promo, it. it's, it's not something you're going to see Sky exactly. Sports turn around in a VT to be like, remember <laughs> like this, it. and it takes like yeah. six seconds to, <laughs> to watch the ball go over the net. Uh, okay, fair enough. I think you can still enjoy the goal. Uh, we should mention this is the first time in 21 years that Celtic have gone a whole season without beating Rangers. I mean, five meetings in all competitions. And they also beat them last season as well, if we remember that. So, I mean, Rangers' dominance over Celtic has been coming for a long time. It's just this Celtic side, when you look at them, JJ, the rebuild that they have in the summer is quite astonishing when you look at potentially the amount of players that want to leave and the, the, the amount they have to bring in. Yeah, it looks like it has to be a full rebuild or something like that. They need a new manager. They need, I mean, they're going to lose some players. They're going to bring a few in. Scott Brown's leaving. I said that for a while. I think that I think will be a big change to them, the way the, the internal parts of the dressing room work. They look, they look at it just a bit of a mess. Like thinking, we all thought, I think we all said at the start of the season we're gonna, they were going to just stroll, the, not stroll, but they'd win the 10, right? It was going to happen. And what a difference one season has made. They are all over the place. It's pretty, it's pretty crazy because if you think, yeah. a, lot of, a lot of players potentially may have left last summer, but because of the pandemic, because of mm. potentially chasing 10 in a row, some of these players haven't been playing at their best all season. And the suggestion was when we spoke to Kieran Devlin from The Athletic halfway through the season that like, players like Ncham, uh, Christopher Iyer, even Odson Edward are, are some of these players that were, were looking likely to, to want to leave. And Laura, mm. those players are massive players. So when we mention the rebuild how do you bring in other big game players? Because Celtic's transfer policy have been about bringing in young players and developing them. Yeah, that's the thing. There's there's a lot of big names there that may not have been entirely mentally tuned in. Um, if it's true, if we are to believe that players like Edward wanted to leave the club, uh, maybe ne- ne- last summer. Um, so the, there's questions over that. And then you're, you're looking at the spine of the team, obviously, you're wanting to try and get... Your main crux of the team, you want to be solid and experienced players, but then as you're saying, it's not really what Celtic have really kind of bought into in the past. They, they do go for kind of younger, unknown names, the likes of your Van Dykes and your Wanyamas, to then sell them on as, as big transfers. That's always kind of been the policy at Celtic. So that might be part of the whole kind of rebranding of the not rebranding's maybe the wrong word of it, but the whole kind of reshuffling of the club in the summer and the, the new look Celtic we're going to see, which is it's not just the, the players on the pitch and the manager and the dugout, but it, it's, it's straight up technical directors and chief executives. It might just also be the the um, the way they do, they do recruitment as well. Um, that might all change the scouting system and everything. It's a big task in their hands. I think I think this defeat kind of nails. Nails in that I don't think we're going to see John Kennedy getting the job. Um, I think that's sort of now 
if there was any question marks, I think that's it. The, the chances are gone now for him. It's it's just too too hard to to lose. Even if it's a meaningless game at the end of the season, it's never a meaningless game in these derbies. Mm-hmm. And to lose by four goals to Rangers, it's I don't think he could recover from that as a man mm-hmm. as a manager. There is a suggestion uh, and a, a rumour, I should say, that uh, John Kennedy could be installed as a technical director or director of football um, at Celtic, which would continue that kind of succession of, of bringing ex-players into the club. And I just wonder if, if it should be a complete overhaul. I, d- I do like the idea of Kennedy still staying at the club in some shape or form. He, he's been involved in the club right from pretty much the days he was breaking through. And, and being this young footballer at the time and we all know his story of he's having his career cut short and the club still stood by him during all that time and, and during the days he was, he was scouting for the club and he was helping out behind the scenes to then moving into coaching and, and that side of stuff with the, the young side um, and moving up to the first team Celtic do have a lot of kind of loyalty to to Celtic people as former players like that's people that have connections with the club I think it would be wrong to just be like, well, he's he's you know he's had this bad spell and at the side on the sidelines to Neil Lennon, he's, he's had a kind of trouble period in charge of the team at the end of a season when nothing there was nothing to play for. Okay, I'll be at the Scottish Cup. Um, I think it'd be harsh to punish him so much to then be like, right, we're going to cut ties with you now and your time with the club is over with. So I do like the idea of kind of giving him something in terms of a role at Celtic. I just. I could, definitely could not see being the manager or even assistant manager for that sense in that case. Well, Eddie Howe still seems like the, the heavy favourite to take the job. We don't know yet. Uh, but JJ, we mentioned last week the fact that Gerard had won one domestic trophy out of a possible nine. Um, it's maybe not Ooh, a good that's thing, not good, but is it? a league title this season, four wins over Celtic. Uh, I think it was three in the league. I mean, that that for Rangers fans is an enjoyable season. Uh yes. Uh, I I wonder, as not a Rangers fan myself, uh, whether they might think it's a little bit of an underachievement having not also won a cup. Do you not think? I think like so. League, yeah, hundred percent. Like, I mean, to be clear, the, the league winning, like the, the what he's done to put to win the league is I mean, amazing. He's, he's he's melted Celtic. Like, like they've gone. Yeah. Uh, they've gone. So that's I mean that's a huge achievement, but. This is the argument to be had that cups are so random and knockout that you should, you know, weird things can happen. But Celtic managed to do it about twenty times in a row. So, <laughs> you think maybe we should do better? It's odd. I think it, it will be a good season for Rangers. They got far in the Europa League, which I think, as far as they got, is an achievement in itself. Uh, domestic cups, you should maybe have done better, but maybe that system slack enough a couple of times and it'll get improved. I mean, part of the thing we talked about, Gerard, what you've done so well is putting a winning culture at the club and it'll take a bit longer. And the Celtic team that won so many were pretty much uncontested and constantly on, you know, in momentum the entire time when they won those trophies. Mm-hmm. So it could be that's the difference was now it's a bit more contested. But yeah, yeah. well done. Yeah. Well done, Rangers. Well done to them. Well, they've got two more games to try and secure an unbeaten league campaign. Uh, they play Livingston away and then Aberdeen at home to finish the campaign. There you go. Coming up, the boys at the bottom get back to winning ways. Uh, Harry, is there any truth in the rumours that you're off to Spain in the summer? Uh, 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 sorry, me, uh, me no hablo inglés. Uh, what about one of the Manchester clubs? Oh, uh, well, you know, it's... Uh... Well, Harry, what about my source who says you're keen to stay at Spurs? <laughs> uh, can we keep the questions sensible, please? 
Kane's future at Spurs remains uncertain, but you're guaranteed to get money back as a free bet if one leg of your fourfold acre lets you down. Paddy Power! Max free bet £10, min odds 1 to 5 on each leg. Online exclusive exclude shop bets and enhanced match odds. T's and C's apply. 18 plus begumbleaware.org. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker, and now ad-free on The Athletic, this is the Totally Scottish Football Show with Andrew Slaven. Anderson. And it's, it's trickling in, it's gone in. Moyo. Oh, the academical heart is still beating strong. They've looked down and out yet again, but they're reminding everyone yet again. Do not write Aki's off. 2-0 in Paisley. To quote Brian Rice Rice, baby. Yeah, I did it. It's never over with Hamilton. Their game at St Mirren on Saturday was the one they had to win. And they did just that. A 2-1 victory in Paisley. They just seemed to come out of nowhere and surprise everyone. It's only Hamilton's third win, to be fair, of this year. 2021, not 1920, Laura. We're out of that. Um, so they're now two points off 11 and three points off 10th with two games to go. Their final two games are against the two clubs above them. I mean, this is class. This is why we love the split, Laura. Yeah, and I, I love it even more because Motherwell aren't involved and I can <laughs> sit back and I can enjoy it as a neutral and not have been in any way connected to anything that's happening. Apart from the fact that Mother were playing Ross County in the last game of the season, so could actually have a bearing in what happens. But I don't have to go through the same stress as fans or workers at any of the three teams at the bottom of the league. So, yeah, as a neutral, this is fun. This is um, it's exciting and it's exactly what we want from the split. We want these teams to be playing each other come the last couple of games this season. We want it to be looking at the table, looking at goal difference, looking at everything. Um, and all the teams playing at the same time to really get the most out of it. Interestingly, from a like a telly standpoint, if, if Motherwell were, say, to relegate Ross County on the final day of the season and you're there filming, do you just focus on the Motherwell players or do you kind of mop up some of the, like, you know, anguish and disappointment from the opposition at all? Or do you just focus on Motherwell? It's an interesting question, actually. Uh, we haven't even got that far to think about it. But I would say your natural reaction would just be purely to focus on Motherwell because we are we are Motherwell, we're the club. We're club TV, mm, so to yeah. speak. We are, we are Motherwell propaganda, so to speak, um, yeah. to that extent. But at the same time, you have to tell a story of yeah. what is happening. So yeah, there is a there's a bigger story there that these players might have say one, two nil, um, and you're celebrating these players scoring those goals, but it's what they've done to the opposition, which is the story of the game. Um, it might not be Motherwell's story, but it is the story of what's happened in the match. So I mean I, I mean, for example, when Motherwell concede goals um, I don't personally we've got two people that film the games the um, the other boy that films he will film the opposition celebrating the goal whereas I then zoom in on our players and I film like their frustrated reactions and their anger at each other and, and so that means we've got both sides of it so it kind of be the same element to that we might not be in their faces at full time on the pitch shoving a camera in their, their faces as they're, they're crying sitting in the pitch looking sad but you would definitely have some element of it during the match during the 90 minutes of some sort of frustration or heartbreak or, or that kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. sense. Well, apologies to Hamilton fans because I did start this segment 
to focus on Hamilton. Uh, so I will bring it back uh, and talk about well, JJ's favourite fantasy football player, Ross Callaghan, who opened the scoring, uh, his ninth league goal of the season, and just Mr. Hamilton. Um, he just seems to be the not the only player, but he, he is the key man uh, for, for most of this campaign. Yeah, he's been great. Uh, also, he, I think he hit the bar from about 35 yards or something like that with another hit that the keeper pushed on. Or maybe I think the keeper might have pushed it onto the bar even. Just a really good, determined player. I think he's about 27, is he? So like he's this is his like yeah. coming to his peak years where he's just driving because I think you could play. I was gonna say play at a higher level than Hamilton, but I mean that's like three clubs above him basically. <laughs> is what I think. <laughs> I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I like him. I think he's a good player. I also in this game in Hamilton's win, uh, which I think we called last week. Didn't mm-hmm. I mentioned it when we got the odds? So I'll Charlie maybe did with his uh, his odds when he brought it up because um, they're going to finish 10th right but uh, he um, uh, with Hamilton and uh, Ross County two teams who have struggled all season and they're playing against uh, teams who maybe don't have an awful lot to play for now and you see the difference in motivation and how that then maybe is what's being able to let them win that, that game particularly here Hamilton were just really sharp all the way through it and Goodman changed, made a lot of changes for this, this game uh, and he said after the game that they basically won't get in another one after what happened yeah I, I, I think you see that in the, in the way they played throughout and uh, yeah well it's this this win just gets them that little bit of confidence going into the next game against Ross County uh, I think a week on Wednesday I mean that game's utterly massive and would potentially I think uh, decide what's going to happen in the final day of the season because uh, we know we've got Kilmarnock that have dropped into uh, the relegation playoff place but speaking of Ross County they won as well uh, it's typical isn't it like when you're bottom of the table and you get a win and then you're looking at the other results and you're like oh bloody hell Ross County have also won uh, they were 2-0 winners against Dundee United so actually it's even better that we are joined now by Kenny McLennan supporter liaison officer of Ross County to tell us what he thinks I suppose most games, all games in fact, are must win. Uh, but this one in particular must give you like the confidence that you've been sorely needing going into the final two games. How are you feeling going into it? Well, certainly after after Saturday's result, um, I mean that's probably the best I've seen us play in a long time. You know, um, probably since the first two games of the season. Um, I think it made a big, massive difference having uh, Blair Spittle in again and playing Stephen Kelly a little bit further forward. Um, so we had Garden on one side, Spittle on the other. Um, that seemed to make a huge difference. I mean, I'm a big Blair Spittle fan, if I'm honest. He's he's uh, he's always, every time he's played for us, he's always looked like a goal threat as well. So, um, But the move in the fr- line, I don't know if you saw the first goal, but the whole yeah. mo- move... Uh, and the move up to that first goal was just well, was just excellent, really. And, um, you know, if we can get a bit more of that for the next two games, keep the side, unless something happens, unless anybody gets injured or suspended, keep the same side. Because they moved the ball about well, the urgency was there. Um, something that's really been lacking, you know. I mean, the Samirin game was just so frustrating to watch. I just didn't, didn't think we turned up for that game, if I'm honest. Mm. But, and with it being a home game as well, that was even more annoying, you know. But uh, definitely um, Saturday's game, given that was the same Dundee United side that beat Aberdeen convincingly, 
you know, we give them a good go. You're, you're talking about like personnel changes there, um, but overall, what's changed since John Hughes has come in? Um, and, and did you expect this to have, like the impact he's had? Did you expect this? Uh, I would say it maybe started off like that when he came in, but it's kind of sort of petered. Well, to be honest, it's really strange because we've 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 matched up well against the sides. And well, this is my take on it. We've matched up well against the sides that play open football. We haven't matched up against the teams around us where it's a bit more scrap, a bit more of a a battle, a bit more of. A, you know the balls all over the place. There's not, the, you know, the the football's not as open as you're playing against Dundee United. They like to try and move the ball a bit quick. And I, I mean, I'm a bit disappointed as well, like you know, because I'm a big Stuart Kettle fan. You know, the guys put so much into the club and stuff like that, and it was that's a difficult one for us, like you know, because I think any fan, nobody wanted to see the guy lose his job, like you know. But um, you know, he's the first to own up if things weren't going well. You know, he he would have been the first to say, well, you know, maybe somebody else needs to come in and and have a go. You know, and he's an honest guy. But um, John, I would say, you know, listening to me, he does a lot more roaring from the sidelines and stuff like that. You know, if, <laughs> if things aren't going well, you're going to know about it. Um, <laughs> so I would say maybe in training and stuff like that, he's maybe doing a lot more, you know, he's not giving the guys a minute. He's he's writing about them. He's he's basically putting the point across that, you know, this this is in their own hands. They've got to get out there and they've got to, they've got to realise that it's, it's not just their own jobs they're playing for, you know. There's other people at the club's jobs involved here. You know, if you drop down, um, what what impact that going to have on the on 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 jobs throughout the club? You know, so um, you know, it's a big thing, you know. But uh, it's 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 a difficult one, like you know, because I like the championship, you know, more wins, <laughs> more goals, you know. It's a more competitive league, uh, in my mind. Uh, so the football's more more expressive, uh, whereas. In the bottom uh, rung of the the Premiership, we're getting whipped every week by bigger teams and relegation. That would obviously put everybody in a bit of a downer. I think you know it's not what anybody wants. You know it's that feeling of of dropping down. You know it's 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 not good for the players. You know, but no. um, or or the management. I don't know what would happen with. I don't I suppose Yogi wouldn't possibly wouldn't get the the role if if they go down. You know because he's been told that. His agenda is to keep us up. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say, going by Saturday's result, you know, the only, uh, he said this himself, our only problem has been most of the season is we've not managed to back it up by doing consecutive performances like that. But maybe this is the, maybe this is the turning point now, you know, where there's only two more games left. The guys know what they need to do. They're two cup finals. Just get stuck in. Well, JJ, look. Unlike Jim Goodwin and Callum Davidson's weekend, uh, Mickey Mellon didn't make a lot of changes um, and it didn't work for him. He stuck with the team that absolutely smashed Aberdeen and gets a completely different result. Yeah, he smashed the Aberdeen team with clear like tactical holes and also, like I said earlier, they had motivation because it was a cup game, whereas they don't have much in the Premiership because it's already kind of done, and Ross County are trying to survive, they're fighting for survival, and so uh, that's going to give them a bit of extra oomph in everything you see. I don't think it was anything particularly tactical, there's no wizardry that Hughes pulled off or anything like that. There was, you know, they played a 4-5-1 here, but they played a 4-2-3-1 and 4-4-2 in a few different systems recently. It's not like this one suits them more than others, it's just that the players were more on it. They weren't amazing or anything like that, it's just that they scored a goal, they got another from a corner... Uh, and then 
just kind of locked it down. And it was just that little brief five-minute spell, which happens quite often, that they got in it. Dundee United yeah. weren't very good either, but they'll be better next week. Yeah, they weren't very good. And I think they will be focusing on the cup. Uh, the big losers of the weekend uh, were Kilmarnock, because uh, Ross County winning their game. They move up to 10th, and Kilmarnock swept aside 2-0 by Motherwell at Fur Park. Laura, a good one for you to enjoy again. Uh, but Kilmarnock, like I said, down into the relegation playoff place, and Tommy said they got what they deserved. Did they deserve it, Laura? They did, to be honest. Um, I was expecting a wee bit more from Kilmarnock. Um, going by games between the two sides this season, uh, Kelly have been completely on the ball every time. Um, may not have won every game, but they've. I was expecting at this stage of the season with them still fighting for it and Kyle Lafferty back in the side. Um, mm-hmm. I just thought they would have more fight about themselves, um, more heart as well. Go, going out there and actually looking like they were trying to, to fight for survival. It didn't quite look like that. Um... With Motherwell, look, obviously Motherwell are, are wanting to go for as many points as possible, but you you could never really forgive a team if, if they did sort of get a wee bit complacent this season. So with that in mind, uh, yeah, I was expecting that a much closer game, to be honest. Um, I know Kelly had a, a, something like 18 shots, I think, but there was only four of them were actually on target. Um, yeah. And it didn't ever really feel like they were challenging Liam Kelly. Uh, he had a few good saves to make, um, Liam Kelly being Liam Kelly pulls him off <laughs> wonderfully but um, no I think I mean Sam Foley came into the team he, he had these kind of first 90 minutes for the side and he was the sort of old head in midfield that Motherwell really kind of benefited from that we haven't really seen so far this season Devante Cole as well um, has been absolutely a breath of fresh air um, since Alexander came in at the start of 2021 um, I think he has really come on to a game and you really so I think you, more so than any other game I think he really kind of played out of his skin this one he, he was he set up he, he scored the first one obviously and then assisted mm-hmm. the second one and just his little movements he's, he's, he's pacing the ball he's, his lovely little touches his control he had it all for this um, and his awareness yeah. as well to not just be selfish and take the second um, effort and actually pass it over to Stephen O'Donnell for his goal. He's He's been playing really well. So there's definitely positives from a Motherwell perspective. Kelly, I, I've been saying right from the start when Tommy Wright came in, oh no, it'll be fine. He'll come on to, some, he'll, he'll come on to something and with Lafferty signing and everything and I was so confident that they were going to pull it off. Now though, I'm not quite as confident Um I just I thought I would see more from them, and I, they really need to step up in the last two games if they're going to survive this. Well, this is this is a, a seventh away defeat in twenty twenty one, and they've got Hamilton on the final day of the season uh, at Hamilton. I mean, it's it's not it's, these things aren't easy when you're in a relegation scrap, but you have to rely on your players to come up with the goods in the end. And Tommy Wright might be doing everything he can but if the players don't turn up then what what else are you going to get um, and it's strange because we mentioned that Dundee United well they're playing for the cup and whatnot but a good side this season Motherwell who don't have anything to play for this season can still beat Kilmarnock who are fighting for their lives JJ what's your thoughts? I mean it feels like Kilmarnock look a bit different now than how they did at the start of the season like it's almost like a different team the same sort of key individuals there but a lot of the players seem to have changed I agree with, with Laura that you'd maybe expect them to put in a bit more and you can see Wright was not at all pleased at the final whistle. I know we're talking about Kamarnik, but Devante Cole genuinely has turned into a, like a decent player uh, and I wonder if Laura can let me know more about how that has happened. Because he was, he was a talented player before. Like I've watched him in Scout and that, but then he just seems to be better now. But what is yeah, making him better? I mean, I don't know the, the, the secret to it, to be honest, but 
there's probably some element of the confidence that the Graham Alexander's come in and still this positivity and confidence throughout the squad. He's obviously one that is benefiting from this mentality, a shift in mentality. He's been given this freedom mm. to play through the middle, um, which is probably a big part. He's That's it, yeah. yeah, yeah the, sure. I mean, Stephen Robinson, and, and Graham Alexander to an extent as well, has this season shuffled the front three around um, from game to game, even within games, depending on how it's going. And Devantico has found himself wide of the three quite often, but more so recently he has been playing through the middle. Um, and that is down to a mix yeah. of his performances, the other performances, and also injuries as well. Um, like, for example, Tony Watt has missed the last couple of games through injury. So that coupled with the mentality, I think, has really helped him just come onto something. And, and it's, it's the, what we always say about confidence breeds confidence. If he's scoring week in, week out, it's just going to lead to more <laughs> because he's not got that drought behind him. You can definitely tell that when Alexander came in that he said to Cole, you're going to play as well. Like that There's not going to be any chopping and changing for him because he's he's the number one striker. It, it seems like you just look at 11 goals um, this season and 10 of those coming since Alexander arrived. That confidence, like you say, Laura, it's so evident to see. Yeah, definitely. You can also see when he's enjoying his football as well, which is such a big part of it. Devante is a very shy and reserved character um, and you don't see a lot of personality from him day to day around the place. In general terms, I mean, not obviously in his own wee group um, of friends, but on Saturday, actually, um, from my perspective filming, I got... I was in the tunnel before the game and he he was in the tunnel and he gave me like this big smile and thumbs up, which at the time I thought, wow, that's that's so nice because you don't normally get that flash of personality, especially at that stage of the, the, the day as well, before the game. And then at full time as well, we're always on the pitch getting the boys' reactions. And he is quite consistently one that doesn't engage with the camera. It's head down, even when he scored and had a good game, he doesn't engage, he's, he's so shy in that sense. But he engaged and, and again, he reacted to the camera and said something. And it's little things like that you just notice that that just shows just how much he's enjoying his football just now. Do you think it's tough, JJ, when you've got like a really famous dad, like Andy Cole's his dad? I don't know why asking me that. <laughs> Is your dad My not dad famous? famous. <laughs> no. no I, to be fair to him, and I'm going to steal this one from JJ, um, he doesn't like talking about his dad. And I find that when he does press conferences and, and some journalists might come along and who don't know him very well or, or don't really know the kind of backstory and stuff, they they go to the default question of, oh, yeah. we know who your dad is, so let's ask you about that. Or or let's ask you about our Man United. And he's he's like, well, I'm not a Man United fan. Um, and he's like, I'm, I'm an Arsenal fan because of his mum. His mum's from London. And it's little things like that. He doesn't like to draw attention to his dad or talk about it or dwell on it because he wants to have his own career. Mm-hmm. And he just he, he doesn't want connected in that way whatsoever because... He, he, there's extra pressure put on your shoulders or there's more expectations or uh, people think differently of you if they connect you to a, such a successful player before um, before him. So no, he doesn't like talking about it in the slightest and I think that's kind of, it's nice for him to just be his own player, be, be his own self and not be connected in that way. It's, it oddly reminded me of Arnold Schwarzenegger in Kindergarten Cop with that famous line, who is your daddy and what does he do? Uh, but yeah, he seems pretty settled at Far Park. Uh, but who knows, Laura, because you've mentioned uh, to me before that he's out of contracts this summer. We will wait to see what happens there. But after the break, Aberdeen is who we're going to speak about, who joined the real European Super League. This is the 
Scottish Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Aberdeen booked their place in the sexy league, or the conference league, as it will be known in real life. Uh, a 2-1 win for them at Livingston on Saturday, and a first league win under Stephen Glass. It's his fourth game in charge, and JJ did this ranking probably the best performance under his stewardship. I think, well, because they got the win, so that's important. But I think, uh, yeah, it was good. I, yeah, there were some really good parts to it. I think Callum Hendry played really well. I think D- Dylan McGeoch was really important in the midfield. Made a big difference being there because he can keep the ball. He knows the angles he needs to make to offer the passing triangles, all that sort of stuff. Um, I thought the two centre-backs stayed way deeper than they have in recent games, which I think might be Glass maybe, uh, what's the word, uh, adapting what he wants to do so that it suits what, what Hoban and Constein can do. <laughs> uh, not run fast. Uh, give themselves a bit of space, not have to pass too much. It's still not quite there. I thought Gary Roots had a very good game as well. Interesting. And notably, uh, Conor McLennan, who started his career as a striker in the youth like, mm-hmm. ranks and then was a right winger. He played it right back. I thought he was excellent. And it was his header on the penalty spot during like, an open play move that gave Hendry his uh, chance to score from like two yards for the opener which is uh, very attacking when your right f- fullback is the guy who's in the box as a striker getting on the end of a cross. Well done to them. Oh, and Hedges was back too. Came off the bench. Yeah. He's a good player, Hedges. Yeah, he's a good player too. Um, well, it? he was out for, what, about four weeks or something like that? Four, five, six weeks? Oh, it was um, longer than that, I think. He tore a muscle, I think, in his yeah. chest, I think it was. But yeah. Callum Hendry, you mentioned earlier, JJ. You look at, since he came in at Pataudry, that was his third goal of his loan spell. So he's currently Aberdeen's top goal scorer since he joined. And that's how bad Aberdeen have been <laughs> at scoring goals. <laughs> well, I mean, they scored two goals in open play in this game, which is nuts. Uh, that hasn't happened for so long. I think I think Ferguson must be the top scorer with penalties. But then you remember mm. Sam Cosgrove has scored so many, and most almost all of his goals were penalties before, because that's what they would do. They grind out a one 0 win with a penalty. It's just it's a lot more fun to watch all of a sudden, regardless of winning or losing. It's just a lot more fun, a lot more attacking. The games, the whole game is a lot more open. Are we going to see? Are we going to see a completely different Aberdeen team after the summer? Yeah, it'll be, they'll do a huge rebuild. I think they're trying to get it done early. There was some noise about Glass wanting to get everything in place and getting it done. I'm not sure all the places who who will stay there. I mean, you, you think like McCrory and Ferguson, the ones you build it around because they're the the most talented that are there. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's odd. It, it, it should be quite good. I was surprised, but like Lively weren't very good, and Martindale was just screaming at them throughout. Uh, I mean, screaming. He'll <laughs> he'll like tear a vocal cord at some point, doing it. Um, they, they they weren't great at all. I don't really know what what to say about them more than they just. I don't know. I noticed that the striker Paplatnik looks like the uh, the singer from Future Islands. That was the thing I took away most from Livingston. I looked at that. I looked at that. I, d- I disagree. I disagree. I mean, also really? that that singer is like in his late forties or something like that. Isn't he? <laughs> oh, one thing. Like, that is one harsh. thing is uh, uh, Emmanuel Thomas's finish was absolutely amazing. Like, it's, like, yeah. it's like Alan Shearer versus West Ham in I think the <laughs> early two thousands. Like, it's such a good finish. Like technically, like to be able to hit a ball like that and get it down without smashing it over the over the bar, it's one of the best goals I've seen. Oh, I think I think he's probably one of the one of the. It's hard because he doesn't do it often, but when he does things like that, you're like, why aren't you playing at a much higher level? Because uh, yeah. he was out of the game for such a long time. I've said it before. He was a massive Arsenal prospect, and he's 
revered highly at Bristol City. But then I think injuries and then a small time out in uh, in Thailand, I think it was, he was playing. He didn't play football for almost two years. And he turns up at Livingston. I mean, these are the types of people that David Martindale seems to um, unearth uh, quite amazingly. And yes, yeah, that finish about. was absolute class. I always remember... Oh, but Laura, was, was, that, was that a good goal for you? Yeah, I'll accept that one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll pass the test. That is promo worthy. One day I'll work out what Laura's uh, parameters are for a good goal. One day I'll figure it out. <laughs> oh, God. Well, let's finish up uh, in what could be a Scottish Cup final rehearsal. Uh, St. Johnson ran out 1-0 winners over Hibs at Easter Road. And I said it last week, Callum Davidson, I would say, is, is definitely up there as a, a tout for the uh, manager of the year. But he made seven changes uh, from the game against Rangers and basically put out a second string and still beat Hibs. I mean, that's that's confidence. Yeah, this is impressive from him. Isn't it something... They've only conceded something like four goals in the last 11 games, I think it is, and two of them were against Rangers. So this is impressive stuff. Um, like, I don't want it to turn into the We Love Callum Davidson show because we are absolutely singing his praises every single week. Probably He's rightly a very so. good manager. <laughs> yeah, he is, he's a new one. Um, but yeah, to be able to change your side to essentially a second string team to who beat Rangers last week and still managed to get the points. It's, it's very impressive from him. It's, it's very good. Disappointing for Hibs though. Um, I don't think they played well in this game. They were missing Nisbet, weren't they? I think he yeah. picked up a, a slight knock. Um, but Jack Ross, I, I, I think he'll be he'll be annoyed with that. I th- he he also I saw what was he he got booked for uh, speaking to the refs as well on the pitch. Um, I don't know if this was at half time or at full time, but he it's was contest. It was a full time. He was contesting yeah. obviously one of the decisions, and he got booked for it. Now I don't know. Like this is something that I've always kind of disagreed with, but I just don't like booking, like non-footballers outside of 90 minutes <laughs> it's, it's just getting a bit ridiculous and he said in his post-match he's like, like one week I'm allowed to speak to him another week I'm not obviously it's depending on, on who the ref is um, depending on what they're saying yeah and um, yeah what the he's contesting I mean okay fine just be consistent but also I just don't like this booking rule I'm not I'm not a fan of it it's a bit harsh JJ bit what do you think? I, mean, I think it's quite yeah. funny being able to. I think it's funny being able, it's being able to book funny. a coach. Yeah, I don't think that's, that's how like rules it. are made. Oh, this will be funny. Mm. Let's introduce this. But it's funny booking someone who's not even on the pitch. That is. Funny. Oh, it is. I uh, mean, our, our sports scientist got booked in a game earlier this season. It oh, was... that's really good. You book a sports scientist. What's the lowest rank that can get booked? What's the lowest rank that can get booked? Probably. Could you, probably. Could you get booked? Uh, no, it's it's whoever gets. Not to say you're low. <laughs> Sorry, I would That's love it. I would absolutely love it if I could get booked. No, it's whoever gets named on the team sheet. So, in terms of non-players in the team sheet, it's whoever's in the dugout, um, or around uh, the dugout area who's allowed in the dugout. So you've got out with your coaches and your goalkeeper coach. You've only really got your doctor and your sports scientist are really the only and physio are really the only other kind of candidates. Are they listed on this team sheet or not? Are they? Yeah, they are. Yeah, they're they're listed they are. in the team sheet. So that's how it passes. How they're allowed to I get booked. Say, I was going to say, please, please, can you try and get booked next week? I'd, I'd absolutely love it if I could. Um, I would absolutely frame that. <laughs> Going two foot a player on the pitch. <laughs> um, in terms of the actual game, uh, I think Ryan Portis has had a couple of poor weeks. Like He seems to do really well for a bit and then he lets it go and it's a shame because he could be a good player. Well, uh, he had a great week in the penalty shootout to get them into the semi-finals, the Scottish Cup to be fair. 
Well, yeah, but he makes it's a couple of high-profile mistakes. Not high-profile, so that's a stupid word to use. But I just noticed a couple of things creeping into his game, which he needs to not be doing. Basically, like the pass he's made, it's an easy mistake to make. What he's done, the passes across his own box to a player that he shouldn't be trying to pass to, which gives the goal. As Johnson that we talked about, uh, not even basically trying to attack, just locked, just just cancelled the game out. It's like what McInnes and Aberdeen were doing earlier in the season, just cancelling the game out so there's nothing happening making it boring. And Hibs were unlucky a couple of times not getting in behind the last line. Irvine especially was making some decent passes, but just a, a second too late to get them onside. Otherwise, and also it might be a case of motivation for Hibs because they pretty much, unless Aberdeen pump them 5-0 in the next game, which they're not yeah, going to yeah, do, yeah. they're going to finish third. So they're pretty much done too. Yeah, three points between them, uh, JJ. So even if Aberdeen win, uh, they'd still need Hibs to, to slip up in the final game. But who knows? Maybe that... that potential cup final hope for them might might make them slip up but uh, we're going to move on because up next Partick Thistle get it right up the SPFL on Apple Podcasts Spotify Smart Speaker and now ad free on The Athletic this is the Totally Scottish Football Show with Andrew Slaven time now to hear from our friends Paddy Power courtesy of producer Charlie next weekend Charlie it is Scottish Cup semi-final time Dundee United versus Hibs and St Mirren versus St Johnston talk to me yeah we were denied an All Saints final never ever have I ever felt so low <laughs> that's, uh... that's solid that's a good joke I like it as JJ mentioned, I did say last week when discussing the Premiership that Hamilton would win at St Mirren and Ross County would win at Dundee United, making a mug out of anyone who hits the plus 30 button and skips past this section. However, Paddy Power don't think the week off that the Buddies and the Tangerines had will do them any good next weekend. St Mirren are four favourites to win the Scottish Cup at 4-1. to one. Dundee United are third favourites at 3-1. to one. That means we should expect a St Johnston Hibs final with the League Cup holders at 5 to 2 and Ross's Hibs, sorry Jack Ross's Hibs, favourites to go all the way at 13 to 8. Must remember to say his full name. Or is John, <laughs> or is John James Ross? John James Ross, yes, yeah, sorry. Yeah, there you go. Uh, you can find out these odds and more at paddypower.com or the Paddy Power app. Prices are accurate at the time of recording. It's over 18s only. T's and C's apply. And when the fun stops, Laura? You stop. Partick Thistle are back in the Scottish Championship with their promotion confirmed last Thursday after a 5-0 thrashing over Falkirk. We're joined now by Matt Greer, host of The Draw, Lose or Draw podcast. How you doing, Matt? I'm good, thanks. How are you? <laughs> I'm okay, but surely you're doing better than I am. <laughs> I'm very good. Might have to change our <laughs> podcast name after the last few weeks. <laughs> yeah, I bet. I mean, just sum up this season um, for us because it's been a competitive title race, albeit a disrupted one. But Partick didn't really start very well, but it's ended well. Just just talk us through it in your own words. It has ended well. You mentioned there's been a title race all the way through. From a Thistle point of view, we've not really felt like we've been in the title race maybe until three or four weeks ago. For most of the season, we were five, six, seven points behind Falkirk. Mm-hmm. And for large parts, we were thinking it's playoffs at best. But about a month ago, we really turned our form around. We scored a late equaliser at East Fife. And even though it was seen as a poor result, dropping points at East Fife, coming from 2-0 down to get a point, it seemed to act like a catalyst to turn the form round. And we're, we're unbeaten since the, the restart. I think it's 10 or 11 games. Now we're unbeaten. So 
it's really only in the last four or five weeks we've really picked up and looked like a title winning side. Because when the restart happened, obviously the disruption of the restart would have been worrying, but it was something like three draws um, back to back, and then you were 2 0 down against East Fife at half time. And you must be wondering at that point, you know, we might not even make the playoffs. Was it, I mean, how concerning was it? And and who was the, who was the catalyst? Because I've seen Scott Tiffany's numbers are pretty good, but even Ruddin's season uh, turned it around as well. Absolutely, I think there was a, a draw at home to Forfar as well, where I think after that a lot of fans were beginning to sort of turn on Ian McCall. A lot of fans were writing off the season, just looking to next season. But you're talking about catalysts, Scott Tiffany and Zach Ruddin, who you mentioned there. Um, Zach Ruddin was not really fully fit and didn't have a good run of games at the start of the season. Scott Tiffany was only brought in in the extended transfer window for us, only played since the restart. Those two have really been supported by guys like Brian Graham and Stuart Bannigan, Joe Cardo, who have performed all season really, but needed that little bit of help. Tiffany and Ruddin, who have been excellent and it's their goals that hired us to the top really. You mentioned Ian McCall and, and potentially some questions about him halfway through the season because well, this is his second stint in charge. Um, it's another promotion for him as well. I know his, his son's a Partick Thistle fan too. So it's a big positive for him. Is it, are, are the fans fully behind him still then? I think now the, the fans are fully behind him now. I'd say there was a split five or six weeks ago just after the restart. Things didn't look great, but I think obviously <laughs> any fan now is, is going to find it hard to dig in. <laughs> McCall, the players he's brought in, the recruitment. The recruitment for me and McCall has always been good, even if the results off the pitch haven't been. The players he's brought in, even from last season, have really performed this season. So you're looking at guys like Darren Brownlee, Brian Graham, who he's brought in last season, Ricky Foster and Ross Docker, who he brought in for this season. They've really been key men. So there was never a question mark over that aspect. It was just results-wise, the results weren't really good enough. And I'm sure he'd agree, but I think the last month or so, everything's gelled. And I think if we had guys like Tiffany Rudden available from the start of the season, I think the league would have been done weeks ago, to be honest. And do you think this is a small, uh, let's say, a, a little bit of retribution for, for what happened to Partick Thistle? Not the only club um, that ended up falling foul to the decisions that were made to call seasons early. I mean, obviously there was a reason to all of that. Um, but being relegated from the Championship on points per game, it was obviously a sore one to take. So how do you um, feel from back then to now? It certainly does feel like what you just said, like a bit of retribution. Um, Obviously, the feelings were quite bitter last summer, I think, within the club and from the fans. And I think there was a statement out last summer from the chairman, Jackie Lowe, asking the fans not to forget how this feels uh, when Mm -hmm. we were uh, put into League One. But as you say, I think Ian McCall is a, a thistle man. He really cares about the club. A lot of the players who have been there for a few years and were there last season, I think it will feel extra sweet for them. And of course, the fans are delighted. You saw Hearts um, celebrate their trophy lift a little bit strange. Do, do you understand that, the way that they celebrated their their um, promotion? Do you think Party Thistle would do the same? I do understand it, personally. As a Thistle fan, winning silverware doesn't come around too often. This is only the second time I've seen us win a league title, so I want us to go absolutely mental. I want players taking pictures with themselves with the trophy, all the players, all the staff, all that sort of thing. I can understand why 
it would send a message to Neil Doncaster, it would send a message to the SPFL if we didn't lift the trophy, but moments like this don't come around too often, so I think you've just got to enjoy it, and the way they've played in recent weeks, they deserve the celebrations, they deserve to go a bit mental with a trophy, so good luck to them. Well, that's it for another week. Thank you for listening. Thank you to Charlie for producing the hell out of us. Laura, JJ, top class again. Thanks to Matt and Kenny for giving us their insight from Partick and from Ross County. We'll be back next Tuesday, so have a great week. Stay safe and we'll see you soon. You've been listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Keep up to date with everything totally at thetotallyfootballshow.com and by following at the Totally Show on Twitter and Insta. Check out all of the Athletics football podcasts on Apple, Spotify and all the usual places or listen ad-free on the Athletic app. The Totally Scottish Football Show is a Muddy Knees Media production and sponsored by Paddy Power. The Athletic. <laughs>